This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Yes, yes. Once again, SoundCloud sucks. All right, moving on. I'm going to start now every episode that still manages to remain on the SoundCloud um, domain, SoundCloud, you know, machine that it is. I'm going to start every show saying the same thing. SoundCloud sucks. Because... Whenever I do a bloody episode, it gets uploaded, and then it gets dropped. It disappears, it vanishes, and it gives the trashy response, Sorry, not available in your region. What the hell does that mean? I record the bloody podcast here in the States, and it's not available in the United States. That is stupid. And when the idiots over hosting all this audio, don't respond to emails. Or if they do, they say, oh, we're looking at it. We don't know what's going on exactly. We're trying. You think, you are god-awfully incompetent. What is your problem? Because Lord knows that affects the iTunes, the Stitcher, and the Google Play, where you can also find Bonfire. So believe me, if you're frustrated that I tell you, hey, come listen to the bonfire, and you look for a specific episode and you don't find it, believe me, I'm more pissed than you are. Not only is that inconvenient, it makes me look like an idiot. Okay. Lord knows I could rant on about this for a while. So anyway, let's not. Let's be happy. Let's put on a... Let's put on a happy face. Happy face. Happy thoughts and interesting thoughts. Interesting. There is a TV show coming out called Westworld. And it's going to come out this fall on HBO. HBO is doing a lot of good stuff lately, I'm told. (laughs) I don't watch Game of Thrones. I don't know if I will one day. But that's what they do. HBO, what else has it done? It's got the uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. It's only once a week, you know, obviously. Every Sunday. And it seems to actually be doing pretty well. You know, compared to the other late night TV shows. Talking Heads, you know. So HBO is not doing too bad. AMC, obviously, with Walking Dead and Breaking Bad and Mad Men, they did some of the right things, too. Very popular TV. So anyway, HBO here. Apparently, it's it's a remake. I'd never heard of this movie before called Westworld with starring Yul Brynner back in the 70s, I believe, is when it was. I looked it up yesterday, the uh, the info about the movie. And it's a great concept. And it's uh, written by Michael Crichton, Crichton? however you pronounce his name. I'm not sure. He is the one that gave us Jurassic Park. Good stuff. He wrote the the book, Jurassic Park. And then Steven Spielberg came along later and made it into the movie that we all know and love, Jurassic Park. So Westworld was apparently Michael Crichton's, Crichton, his first, you know, foray into sci-fi, I believe. I mean, he's written books before, but this one was, I think, 
a purely movie adaptation or just a movie script. Excuse me. It was not a book. It was just a movie first and foremost. And starring Yul Brenner, it's about you know Western World. It's a theme park. You know, has a lot of the same kinds of thematic elements as Jurassic Park. A theme park where the creatures or the amusements go haywire. That sounds familiar. And this time it's robots, though. So you're in a Western theme park. You're trying to have fun. You're in the Old West. And the robots go a little crazy. There is a virus or something, according to the uh, movie plot script detailing, saying they all of a sudden just decide to start killing people. <laughs> so that sounds like a great concept. It really does. And for back in the 70s, that's, that's an original idea right there. So bravo, Michael. Good for you. That was a, an original idea. Something Hollywood is absolutely starving for. And I've said a dozen times here. So there you have it. Westworld back in the 70s. And they tried making another movie at some point. Maybe a TV show and it didn't work. Until now when HBO says, All right, we're going to do a Westworld TV series. But they're going to mix it up a little bit. And one of the producers is Jonathan Nolan. Jonathan Nolan we all know from the Batman trilogy. His brother, Christopher Nolan. I believe directed it. Maybe they tag teamed it. I'm not sure. But the Nolan brothers, yes, very famous for the Batman trilogies with Christian Bale and The Prestige with uh, Hugh Jackman, as well as one of my favorite movies, Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio. So these are some pretty smart guys. Great entertainers. I think they're great writers and directors. They know how to put you in that theater, sit you down in that seat, make you shut up and watch every single second of everything on that silver screen. So the Westworld producer, Jonathan Nolan, is telling HBO, look, yes, we changed it up a little bit. We're presenting this as, quote-unquote, the next chapter of the human story. So what he's getting at is, hey, look, we've all, for the past couple decades, been fascinated by this AI idea that our creations, these robots, these artificial intelligences, will one day rise up, be smarter than us, and then kill us. It's, it's an interesting idea. Definitely. The created kills the creator. And when you have people like Elon Musk, who's the dude in the wheelchair? Shoot. <laughs> uh, what is his name? Uh, let me look it up. I'm going to type in Google. Let me see what, if it actually works. Google, dude in wheelchair let's see if anything comes up no just news okay seriously what is his stupid name he's this scientist whatever forget it it's been a long day the guy in the wheelchair who talks through the computer elon musk and the microsoft ceo what is his name bill gates have all said yeah um we could be kind of worried about ai it's a possibility that it could be fatal to humanity in the next century. <laughs> okay. When you hear those guys say it, you're kind of like, oh, okay, maybe I should maybe kind of be kind of concerned. It's no longer a Hollywood concept like the Terminator. It's no longer Westworld back in the 70s. You're saying it's real. They seem that it's, eh, it's a possibility. Possibly, maybe. So Jonathan Nolan, with the TV series now for HBO Westworld, is saying, look, we wanted to go flat out, full scope, sleeves rolled up, plunge into the next chapter of the human story, in which we stop being the protagonists, and our creations start taking over that role. We were fascinated by the tectonic plates that seem to be shifting into place right now, the argument over the creation of AI and what form it will take. 
VR finally coming online and our consciousness going broadband, allowing us to lose ourselves in an acid bath of experience that will be indistinguishable from reality. And only because reality will be the most boring level. That, despite all that, we will remain as a species frustratingly broken, seemingly barreling toward disaster. So yeah, that's why we wanted the show to be done. That's what we wanted it to be about. Okay, so Jonathan turned the tables. In the movie Westworld, the robots were the bad ones, and human beings were the protagonists, the good people. Here in this TV series, he is going to make the robots seemingly the good people, the protagonists, and the humans the uh, antagonists. And uh, let's see. There was a question that Entertainment Weekly asked them. Let's see if I can find it. Here it is. The trailer seems to suggest that the heroes, to use an inadequate word, are the androids rather than the humans, a reversal of the original film. Or is it just that they're merely more sympathetic killers this time around? That's a good question. Nolan responds, That's the reason why we wanted to do the show and what the early conversations with J.J. Abrams centered on. That the show should turn the original movie inside out with the hosts as the protagonists. When it comes to the question of consciousness, we already start with ourselves as the answer. As the be-all, end-all. It's understandable we're the only consciousness that we're familiar with. But we wanted to change that assumption. The hosts are discovering that they've been created in our image, but beginning to question if humanness, humanity, is really what they want to aspire to. And given their circumstances, it's easy to understand why they start to question whether they want to be like us at all. Okay, so Nolan decided to spice it up a little bit, change the original. So yes, good. It's not a shot-for-shot remake of the movie in the form of a TV show. Okay, I'll give you that. And it's certainly interesting if you're going to either make the robots, the androids, protagonists, or just sympathetic killers in the series. That gives it a, a new light. And in the uh, trailer, which I'll play here in a second, you'll see they're not Terminator robots, you know, stripped down to the flesh, and it's just the, uh, the metal, okay? They're like the Terminator robot, where they put real human skin and hair follicles, whatever, and make them look as human as possible. And in the trailer, it's interesting. I think it's a human being that looks at an android and says, are you real? And she responds, well, if you can't tell, does it really matter? So the idea here is these androids are pretty advanced, if you have to ask, is this real? Are you a real human being or are you a robot? If you have to ask, then obviously they're pretty far along. So, yes, it is interesting. An interesting idea. Um, I don't know if I'll watch it. I don't have HBO. I don't have cable. kind of don't care. But if Nolan's involved, that's a, that's a factor that does allure me. And then this concept of robots versus humans. I've always liked that. You know, it's like the movie I, Robot with Will Smith. Robots versus humans. And obviously the Terminators. The first one being the best, obviously. Robots versus humans. It's, a, it's an interesting idea because it's the created versus the creator. So, yeah. I'll just uh, shut up now. I'm going to play the trailer. And I'll have a few more thoughts on the other side. Here we go. Do you know where you are? I'm in a dream. That's right, Dolores. You're in a dream. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Welcome to Westworld. No orientation. 
no guidebook. All our hosts are here for you. In this world, you can be whoever you want. Are you real? Well, if you can't tell, does it matter? This behavior, we're miles beyond the glitch here. What are your drives? To meet my maker. <laughs> I'm terrified. I feel spaces opening up inside of me. Like a building with rooms I've never explored. I think there may be something wrong with this world. Something hiding underneath. These violent delights have violent ends. Westworld, October on HBO. So like I said, I'm not sure if I'll see it. I'm not sure if I'll check it out. But I would for these reasons, because of the mythological questions and philosophical themes that I'm sure Nolan will try to implement in the series. And furthering in this um, Entertainment Weekly article, Lisa Joy, who I believe is his wife, said, hey, we want to deepen character arcs. We wanted to delve further into the series' larger mythological questions. Okay. I would watch it then to see what they what they try to say. I think there's multiple ways you could take the show, you know, commenting on the human condition or robots, AI, how they get along. Should they, should we do this? Should we do that? Is it wrong to do this? Is it wrong for that to happen? Uh, those are all good questions, especially in today's day and age when there's so much technology. Okay. This is different back in the seventies when they made it, it was just a fun, goofy concept like, Oh my God, a robot. Yeah. No, but in today's world, as computers are getting incredibly efficient and fast, powerful, and we're starting to delve into actual AI. You know, these are good questions to talk about. And if you do it in the form of a story, which is what this is, that's what binds humanity together is storytelling. So if you tell in an interesting story, you're getting eyeballs, you're getting attention. Then when the TV show is over, the episode is done, you go back to your life and you can have these conversations saying, hey, is there such a thing as robot rights? Should there be? Do robots have a soul? Do we have a soul? What is the nature of the soul? And all those questions. I like that kind of stuff. I like deeper philosophical questions like that. I like to shoot the breeze yeah, occasionally talking about those kinds of things. So Bonfire has an interest in Westworld. And like I said, it's on HBO TV. I don't have TV, so I actually may not ever be able to watch it. Who knows? Who knows? It's nebulous. Now, on to the next topic. Something that's just goofy that I found. And <laughs> some of these, these are services that you can pay for. And in today's society, with the service industry, capitalism, you think, you can almost find anything. That's the beauty of it. There's so much out there. But I'll bet you didn't know these things were out there. Very weird. Very weird indeed. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. 
okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Do you have unsightly nose hair? Would you like to be kidnapped? How about when you die, you go out with a bang? Yes, these are about a number of things that the, the world today can offer you at a reasonable price. Only today. Buy now. No, don't do it. Number one, from Mental Floss, 10 services you never knew you needed. You got that right. Number one, nostril hair notification. Nasal hair stops dirt, bacteria, and other microscopic intruders from entering the body. But sometimes the bushy gatekeepers can go overboard. If you don't have the nerve to tell a friend or a loved one that his or her nostrils resemble overwatered Chia pets, you can use the online service Chiloli to send an anonymous email. Messages can be customized to be mild or downright scornful, though you'll need to provide details identifying the offending nostril and how many hairs are poking through. Sounds stupid. If you're a dude, you'd walk up to the person and say, trim that up. Get that out of my face. That's what you do. If you're a girl, you like to be a little more, not passive aggressive, <laughs> although, oh man, sometimes, it's funny. Um, they'll be a little more kind. They might pull you aside and not do it in public, or they might tell a, a friend or that friend's spouse, hey, can you uh, mention something? You know, there's something going on over there. Whatever. I don't need an email to tell someone that they have a problem with their nose. Number two, lawn mowing goats. <laughs> that actually sounds pretty good. That's pretty funny. Clearing land of annoying vegetation can be a headache, especially when it's on a slope. That's true. Rent a ruminant. A land management service in western Washington offers a simple solution. Release a tribe of goats to gobble up the brush. Goats are a pesticide-free, noise-free, emission-free, not really, they do fart, economical, efficient, and amusing way to cut and discard of dry grasses and invasive weeds, the website states. Customers including Washington Departments, Transportation, and the U.S. Navy. Well, that's good to know our money's being well spent by the Navy. Because there's, Lord knows, the amount of grass on an aircraft carrier... Out there in the middle of the ocean. It's a jungle out there. It's a good thing the Navy is employing those lawn mowing goats. I love it. Number three, kidnappers for you. This is, I'm not sure what the hell this is. If being tossed into a windowless van, blindfolded, taped to a chair, and left in a basement sounds like your idea of a good time, you should go see a doctor. Or you can just book the French kidnapping company Ultimate Reality for around $1,000. The firm mixes the terror of abduction with the fun of abduction? When GQ's Drew Magary, Majory was kidnapped by the service in 2013, he was forced to listen to Eurythmics' Sweet Dreams on repeat. In repeat. Yeah, that sounds stupid. I mean, you'd kidnap yourself? Or you think it's hysterical to spend $1,000 to have your friend kidnapped? Come on. I mean, there's practical jokes, and then there's anal excuses to be a jackass and that's what this one is this one i liked hangover helpers 
<laughs> not for me, let me be clear, not for me, but for the general population. The hangover treatment cottage industry is booming. In Las Vegas, Hangover Heaven offers intravenous hydration and anti-nausea meds at their clinic. If you can't roll out of bed, Colorado's hangover helpers will deliver a Gatorade, cook you a breakfast burrito, and even clean up unsightly reminders of the night before. Now see, there is a useful service right there. You have a party at your house. Let's say you don't even get wasted. You just have a party at your house, and the place is trashed. There's plates everywhere, food, crumbs, trash can is overflowing, beer bottles everywhere, and it smells like booze because someone spilled it all over the carpet. And you just wake up and you're like, eh, it's a Saturday. I don't want to work. I don't want to clean up. Well, there you go. And if you're in Colorado, call the Colorado Hangover Helpers. And they'll deliver you a Gatorade, sober you up, cook you a burrito, get the munchies, and then clean up your place. I don't know how much, but I would certainly look into it if I threw parties like that, which I don't. So really not a problem for me. And the last one here, which is bizarre, to say the least. Fireworks for the afterlife. When you die, your ashes can be transformed into diamonds, rocketed into space, and even mixed with paint for the ultimate portrait. But if you insist on going out with a bang, book your funeral with UK-based Heavenly Stars Fireworks. For $5,500, they'll mix your ashes in aerial shell bursts, Roman candles, multi-shot barrages, and mines. For his blast rites, Gonzo journalist Hunter S. Thompson had his remains scattershot into a brilliant firework display over his Colorado farm. Well, Hunter, you sound like a chump. I have always decided I will be buried. I'm not going to be burned. It was one thing for me to wrap my mind around being burned, turned into ashes, and then what do you do with those? Either you put them in an urn and your family lugs them around, which is awkward, or you're one of those people like Gene Roddenberry for Star Trek and says, hey, dump me in space. Okay, fair enough, Gene. You did invent Star Trek. That seems kind of appropriate. Still weird, but it makes sense for you. Other people love the beach and the water so much, they say, hey, dump my ashes at the Pacific Ocean. Okay. It's people trying to be dramatic and, you know, have that legendary send-off. Once they're dead, they're really gone, and they've left, they've left the world at their favorite place. Okay. Whatever. To each his own. I think it's weird. But for you to be a firework, <laughs> you die. In a, you, know, you know you don't. You don't die in a firework. You die, but then you leave in the form of a firework. It's just weird. You know, what are you going to do? Invite your family and say, oh, so we're going to have a funeral service and um, he's going to be cremated. But we're going to take the ashes and we're going to spread them over the countryside. Oh, okay, that sounds nice. Where are you going to do it? Well, we're going to go back to his house and we'll have, you know, like lunch, whatever. And um, please join. It's a secret. Okay, family shows up. And you say, we are gathered here today to say goodbye to Bob. Bob was a good man. He hated heights, and he loved goats. He loved his goat cheese, and he loved his pet frog. But we are gathered here today to say goodbye. Light it up, John! And then, boo! All right, we're done. Everybody go home. What the hell was that? Oh, that was, uh, that was Bob. We just sent him off. You put him in a bloody firework? <laughs> Jeez. So, yes. The good, the bad, and the ugly also known as capitalism. Believe me, you can find stupid people and you can find great people. You can find the trash and the 
the cheaters, and the cronyism. And you can find the good, the moral, the useful. Capitalism is a tool. It is not moral. It is not immoral. It is simply there. How you use it is what makes the difference. And when you use it for stupid things like uh, firework ashes and lawn mowing goats for the U.S. Navy, kind of makes sense that people waste their money on stupid stuff. But I will not be one of those people. I will spend my money to go to the beach. I will spend my money on food and entertainment and savings. And obviously paying my bills. Come on. (laughs) You got to maintain them bills so that you can save up for the good stuff. Now, those those are things that your parents should teach you when you're a kid. Budgeting, common sense, drive. That's what they should do. However, there is someone here who begs to differ. She says, the effects of perfectionism, how intrusive parenting is harmful to children. Really? Well, why don't you explain that to me in a minute? The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. They believe that they're creating a perfect Islamic state, but as the creation of that perfect Islamic state is supposed to happen in their minds, it involves these atrocities, but not just doing them, boasting about them and and using them as a recruiting tool. Sadism is a calling card of the Islamic state. This isn't something that's being exposed about the Islamic state. The Islamic state exposes it itself. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire, on demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, I should clarify. This is from the Tech Times, techtimes.com, by Alyssa Navarro. But it's possible it's not really her saying it. There's a study. There's a study that says intrusive parenting is harmful to children, specifically with regards to school and your grades. Quote, Pushing your kids to work hard in school is in little. Wow, I screwed that up. Let me try that one more time. There you go. Quote, unquote. Pushing your kids to work hard in school in pursuit of good grades may be harmful to their health and could lead to unintended consequences, a new five-year study revealed. This parenting style, which is known as intrusive or helicopter parenting, is characterized by manipulative parenting behaviors and psychological control. According to the book called Intrusive Parenting, How Psychological Control Affects Your Children in Adolescence. Okay. It says, more often than not, intrusive parenting may lead to a jarring mental and psychological scar on the child. I think you are blowing it out of proportion. Because I speak from experience where my parents said, hey, get good grades. And I would say, all the way up until college, I did. There were semesters and years I got straight A's and there were some where I got A's and B's okay that is above average the C is average I got A's and B's all my life did they leave some kind of scar on me no it's because they also realized hey if you work hard you get to play hard if you get A's I'll buy you this video game If you get A's, 
you get to enjoy the vacation that we're going to take you on later this summer. There was no pressure to say, hey, if you don't get A's, you're stupid. Never heard that. So to have a study here from the University of Singapore, which uh, is the first clue to this BS. Okay. Researchers from the National University of Singapore found that kids with perfectionist or intrusive parents may be susceptible to anxiety and depression. Keyword being there, maybe. Their tendency to become highly self-critical may increase over the years, they said. Okay, another may. So Singapore, which is part of the Asian culture, Asians are infamous for putting great pressure on their kids to get straight A's and be great students. Okay. So there you go, from the University of Singapore, them saying, hey, when, uh, when you go overboard or you tell your kids to get straight A's and be the best student, there might be emotional scars. Okay, uh, that really only applies to your culture, maybe, and Indians, like from India, um, because they're the ones that do have great family values and, you know, they're very close and they do hold themselves in, you know, the best light when they get straight A's. That's what they shoot for. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that white people were just like, eh, whatever. There are certain parents who say, yes, my child will get straight A's. Okay. And there are other ones that just say, look, give it your best shot. Because that's all you can do. If we know you're actually giving it your all, and you are legitimately trying to read, understand, learn, get good grades so that you can get to college so that you can get a good job and an education and be a respectable human being in society okay but for the university of singapore to be saying well it may do this and it may do that and it's from the asian culture i don't know i think this study is a bit skewed already says, over time, this maladaptive perfectionism may be harmful to the youngster's well-being because it increases the risks of developing symptoms of anxiety, depression, and even suicide in severe cases. Okay, again, sounds like it's a little bit overboard. Anxious. I'm anxious. I'm anxious many days because I'm worried, hmm, how am I going to do at my job today? It's good to have a little bit of anxiety. You don't want to be a slacker and say, nothing bothers me. I have no problems, no sweat. You want a little bit. That's fine. Now, depression and suicide, yes, those are the those are the kickers. But I don't trust the study that says it was the parents being helicopter parents, pressuring their kids to do well in school, that depressed them and made them suicidal. No. I bet there are other factors. It just seems too tidy. That's why I have a problem with this. And they did this study to middle schoolers. Children aged 7 years old to 10 in Singapore lasted for about four years. For each family, the parent more familiar to the child participated in this exam. They did a test. They wanted to assess the extent of the intrusive parenting through a game. Kids had to solve puzzles, puzzles within a time limit, and parents were told that they could help their child when they deemed it necessary. The purpose of the game was to observe whether or not parents interfered with the attempts of their child to solve the problem, regardless of of the youngster's actual needs. Researchers said that a highly intrusive parent would take over the game to retract a more uh, to retract a move made by his or her child. Now that is not a parent who is pushing their child for perfectionism if they step in. Okay, there's the disconnect. If you're a parent who says, 
I want my child to be perfect. You're not going to step in. You're going to say, do it yourself. That doesn't, if you do the work for the child, that doesn't make it a perfect child. You did the bloody work. So when it comes to the puzzle, if you're the one who says, yes, I I pressure my child to be perfect, but you're doing the work, you're going to make a stupid child. Okay. So helicopter parenting is also different. You know, that's a negative connotation where you're literally hovering above them at all times. I'm told most parents do that with their first child because they say, oh, this is our first child. We need to make sure absolutely nothing happens to them. They keep a close eye on them. That's helicopter parenting. Taking them to the grocery store. You're holding them all the time. You take them to the playground. You never let them out of your sight. You never let another human being touch them. That's helicopter parenting, okay? But this to be telling your kid, hey, get good grades. I want you to get good grades. I am encouraging you, sometimes not violently, um, enthusiastically encouraging you, hey, you need to get good grades. That does not necessarily damage the child, okay? Every child is different. You can't make a claim this big saying the effects of perfectionism and intrusive parenting harm the child. No. So there you have it. I don't know. There's more to this article, but that's the main piece I wanted to tackle. You know, aspects of maladaptive perfectionism. Well, if you're a parent going for perfectionism, you are shooting yourself in the foot the second you step in to help your child. Like if you do the work for them, like they have a science project, you're like, here, I'll, I'll do this for you. You go ahead and uh, turn on the computer and then I'll type out your report. Okay, come on. That is not perfectionism. That's, you know, screwing the kid. You're making him lazy because you're doing the work. If you truly want a perfect child and you're shooting for that, that's where you tell the child, look, do it yourself. And when you've tried it and you can't do it, then maybe I'll consider stepping in and helping you. But if you don't even give him a chance to try or he fails on the first try and then you step in and do it for him, no perfectionism will come from that at all. So there you go. There's my little cultural rant for the weekend. And coming up next, something that I've started watching again on TV. Because I, I do this every couple of years or so. I kind of make the rounds with uh, different TV shows. And I'm currently back on a 90s classic. And no, it is not Seinfeld. I do not like Seinfeld. To me, it is not funny. To me, what is funny is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. This is The Bonfire on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. Do you think that that the media filled with this one story, the Lynch-Clinton meeting, do you think this is something that really is an accident? I start with assuming that anything that emanates from any Clinton is an effing lie from moment one. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The Bonfire. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Back for the final block, we're here to explain why The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is a great TV show. Like I said, two minutes ago, one minute ago, I go through the rounds of my TV shows. I will watch Home Improvement. I will watch George Lopez, Fresh Prince, Gilligan's Island, I guess Lost. Maybe not too often. And let's think of another one. I'm blanking. 
ooh, The Office, which is, I don't really go through that often. It's kind of like I've seen it enough that I just have it on as background noise. If I'm in the kitchen doing something, I'll just have it on. Not really paying attention, but I'll be kind of enjoying it at the same time. Or Last Man Standing. I'll go back through old seasons and just say, okay, I just it's time to go back through these again. Walking Dead even. It's time to go back through these again. We all do that, you know, or most of us do. So anyway, Fresh Prince. I first saw that when I was a teenager, and it was on Nick at Night. <laughs> Good old Nickelodeon. Giving you classic 90s sitcoms on your TV. And I believe I started watching it because I saw Will Smith in... Men in Black, and then possibly in, what else would he have been in back in the 90s and early 1000s? It's probably Men in Black that first introduced me to him. And then I heard somewhere or saw him on TV and said, what? What, what does he do? What is this? And I was like, oh, I need to watch this now. And it's pretty funny. I like the way he picks on Carlton, and I like the way that sometimes Carlton fights back, and he's pretty good at it. I like Uncle Phil. I like the dynamic between Uncle Phil and Will. They're, they're funny. They like to joust a lot. Generally, I'd say the first uh, four seasons were the best. As far as original scripts, good plots, interesting you know, um, scripts. Later ones, it kind of slacked off, which is too bad. But then in the first season, certainly the first season, in a little bit of the second, they had a lot of like social justice episodes where they're like, you need to fight the power. Black people are still fighting. And I'm like, okay. You know, I, it's going to happen. It's Hollywood or anybody for that matter. If you're going to make a piece of entertainment, of course, you're going to try to slip in your political, cultural, socioeconomic points. So I understand that. I'm willing to kind of ignore when one episode the an old friend from the parents comes into town and tells the butler hey you're being oppressed by capitalism don't you want to fight the man okay and she's serious like the character is serious and you thought really okay are we still trotting that line (laughs) the evils of capitalism keeping you down okay that kind of irritates me because it's ironic you're making a lot of money from people like me watching your show and buying it on DVD so I can watch it whenever I want, and yet you're bitching about it in the episode. Trying to maybe make a point? Who knows? Tell you what, Hollywood, just stick with storytelling. Don't try to educate me. Don't try to lecture me or slip anything in. No, thank you. If you don't do that, I won't do that. You can't just have a, an episode for the sake of entertainment. Now, there are those. They're funny. The latest one I just saw was where they go camping and they got stuck in a cave and Will finds the money and he fights his cousin <laughs> and his uncle over it. And the whole point of the episode, there is, it's just fun. There was no deeper meaning. There was no um, cultural, political theme that they were trying to share with the universe. No, it was just for fun, for laughs. And it was funny. Uh, Will's a very animated person, so he's a great fit for the character. The character is him, really. They say Will Smith, and he makes jokes like, oh, I just won an Emmy. Oh, I'm a famous rapper, and let's be hypothetical here. There's lots of jokes like that, and it's funny. And it's very 90s, you know, the styles and the music, the the way it's shot. It's very 90s. And that's when I was born. I was born in 1990, so it kind of of brings me back to when I was a a wee little lad. And 
It's funny. It's enjoyable. Just like Home Improvement. Just from the 90s. It's like a flashback. So there you have it. I am now currently in the middle of watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air once again. Slowly but surely making it through the episodes. I don't know. One. Maybe two a day. And that's if I have time for the TV. And that's what I do. I don't have cable. I whip out my DVDs. Or I go to Netflix. I go to Hulu. I go to Amazon. That's where we're headed. Not TV. I could use a little live sports, though. That'd be nice. But it's not the end of the world. I've always been a person who enjoyed the culture and storytelling more than sports. If you want to take me, if you want to go with me to an actual sporting event, I'm all over that. But to sit and watch TV, I feel like maybe there's something better I can do with my time. Or there's something even more entertaining than this. Who knows? But there you have it. Bonfire does recommend The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as a good old 90s sitcom. Just for fun. Just for fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Bonfire Podcast. As I complained about at the beginning of the episode, sometimes SoundCloud drops these episodes. So if you are listening right now, good for you. I'm happy. I really am. Thank you for choosing to spend the time to listen to me rant about these things. And um, I do hope and pray that the audience continues to grow and that these kinds of topics can get out there in the world. And that's why Bonfire is here. We're here to stay away from the politics. There's enough people talking about those issues and fighting with one another. Okay. And there is a time and a place to do that. Sometimes I'll be eating dinner and I'll be having these political conversations with the friends or family. There's a time and a place for it. But when you don't want it, which is me half the time, you come here. Or you turn on the TV. You go to a sporting event. Okay? Let's turn it off for a little bit. We don't need to be smothered in politics. Maybe that's just me. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The main website, bonfirethoughts.com. And yeah, check out the video that I made. I guess maybe it was two weeks ago. It's a, it's a travel video from Travel and Leisure. That's where I got the information. A nifty little article that it wrote. I think America's favorite towns. And I'm currently working on a second one about the top 10 most livable cities from the Telegraph. I hope to have that out pretty soon and up on the Facebook page. So yes, I have started doing some Facebook video. It takes a little bit of time. You know, like I always said, I needed the right equipment. Still, I th- uh, there's ways I can tweak it to make it look even prettier and sound even better. It'll get there. But for a first stab in the dark, I'm happy with what I did. And I hope that it keeps going. And anybody that wants to join, help out. I'd love to hear from you. So tweet me, Andrew Herzog, and or Bonfire, official Bonfire Twitter. There you go. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Andrew Herzog out. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network.